Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome, welcome. We're happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. We are continuing our discussion of some of the festivals uh, throughout the Old Testament. So we're looking at what I called was parties you should still be throwing with full realization now that sometimes people don't like the word party. It hurts their feelings, and it's okay. Y'all can be upset about it. They were still throwing parties. I think y'all would have had your feelings hurt by the parties they were throwing in the Old Testament, but... We we're dealing with things that we should be celebrating. We're dealing with things that, as Christians, we have the right, we have the, the mandate, we have the ability to celebrate things that other people in the world just don't have. Whereas the world might be in a place where they feel like the whole everything's coming to an end and there's no hope, and actually we're in a position where the first time in like forever, most people feel as though their future and their children's future will be worse than their current future, and that is a huge feeling within America, and we as Christians, we're not doing such a good job of saying, hold up, no, we have so much to celebrate, and we just finished Thanksgiving which means we're already on our way to Christmas, right? Who, who already has their trees up? We have two of them up. We have two Christmas trees up already, and Rachel is already mad at me because we couldn't have them up for longer because I am a post-Thanksgiving Christmas tree person. That's me, and I married a Christmas tree all year round person. Right? So there are, there are two different people. So what we're going to do is we're going to look today at the Day of Atonement, and it's in Leviticus 16. It's also in Leviticus 23. So if you wanted to get a good picture of it, I would say go ahead and grab your Bible, uh, open to Leviticus chapter 23. You can kind of read from, uh, I mean, basically from, well, we'll do a 26, but honestly, if you looked at Leviticus 16, um, it would tell tell you the whole story from 20, and then Leviticus 23:26 tells it as well. So there's two places in Leviticus that talks about the Day of Atonement, and I'm going to kind of walk you through it. So far, we have dealt with three of the seven festivals that are in the Old Testament, um, and we're only going to deal with four of them, which means that y'all can look in Leviticus and you can see the rest of the festivals, right? And what I want you to know is, like, as you're looking at these festivals, they are prophetic. They show you what Jesus planned from the beginning. That Jesus had a plan from the beginning, and that plan was to die and to be raised from the dead and to purchase your salvation on the cross. His plan was sacrificial. His plan was exactly what we have today, and he showed that to us through these festivals. So, so far, we've dealt with Passover which celebrates what God has done for us, whereas Israel would have celebrated uh, being released from Egypt, the slavery in Egypt. They would have celebrated being passed over when the, when the Lord came and killed the firstborn. We get to celebrate being passed over on eternal separation from God because Jesus died on the cross and paid that penalty, that he was in that story, the lamb who caused 
the angel of the Lord or for God to pass over us and instead of seeing our sin, seeing the blood of the Lamb. Like, is that something to celebrate over? I feel like we should, we might ought to celebrate over that. And then you got the first fruits, which celebrates God's provision, and then actually the resurrection of Jesus Christ as God being not only our sacrificial lamb, but also the first fruit of God in the resurrection, because if God did not raise from the dead, we are to be the most pitied, but he was raised from the dead. So therefore, we have something to do what? celebrate, right? We should be happy about this. Whereas I see most Christians, they're either 100% rejecting what the Bible has to say or they just walk around kicking rocks. And that is not what we see in the Bible. We see celebration over these things, right? And then I didn't get to hear it yet. I have a, I have, I have the ability to listen to it on my phone right now, but we dealt with Passover. I mean, uh, I wrote Passover twice. Pentecost, right? Whereas the, the Israelites would have celebrated knowing who God was through the covenant that they had through the law, and now they get to celebrate knowing who God is in person within their souls where we get to have the power of the Holy Spirit driving us for all eternity all the way up until we meet Jesus face to face where we get to actually live life day in, day out with the Holy Spirit with us. And that's something that's worth celebrating. We have more to celebrate than anybody else, don't we? I feel like we should really be the ones that are throwing the parties or having the celebrations, knowing full well that as a person, as a human being, it came time for Thanksgiving. And I knew I was going to see like a whole bunch of people. And inside I was like, oh no, people, <laughs> stay home. Don't do anything. But then we went out and we saw people and then we came home and we're like, oh, that was really good. We were really, it was really good to see people and then have that celebration. Well, we're going to deal today with a whole different type of celebration. So we've dealt with uh, Jesus as the Lamb. We've dealt with Jesus as the resurrection and the first fruits. We've dealt with the Holy Spirit as something to celebrate over. And now we're going to deal with the Day of Atonement. So these celebrations, they, they, as the year goes through, they start switching. And I skipped two, and those two deal with the coming of the Lord in the second coming, right? So we've got the Day of Trumpets, which is celebrated by loud trumpets kicking off the first day, and they celebrate the dwelling of God with his people, almost like the second coming of God that we will know happens with the loud sound like a trumpet kicking off his dwelling with his people on earth, right? So that comes, but now we're dealing with the Day of Atonement, which deals with atoning for what? Sin, right? So this is how they would do this. I had a, when I was in the youth group, not when I was a youth pastor, when I was in the youth group, I went to Myrtle Beach on a trip, and there was a guy, he was trying to make us understand that sin is bad. He said, that's why we call it sin and not just a fluffy. Oh, we just had a little fluffy. And it was sin. It sounds horrible. It sounds terrible. Well, that his, his point that he was poorly making, but I still remember today, so obviously he made it all right, um, is kind of what we're going to deal with today. And this is how this would play out, right? So what they would do 
is all of Israel would come for a whole day, and they would fast for a day. Actually, what they would do is they would afflict themselves for a day. They would consider themselves afflicted. They would do no work. They would eat no food. They would do nothing but contemplate their rebellion against God for the past year. Sorry, this thing's getting crazy. They would contemplate their rebellion against God for the previous year. Meanwhile, the head priest in the the first one would have been Aaron, the high priest, would have been Aaron. And he was told, hey, you're going to come into the Holy of Holies, but don't just walk into the Holy of Holies. And you can read this. I'm telling you, you need to read this. I don't have time to read it all to you. You guys know how I am with time. So we're not going to waste any. And we're gonna, I'm telling you, you need to read this. And what God said is, tell Aaron, don't just come walking into my Holy of Holies any kind of way. Because if they, you walk into my presence with all of your sin attached to you, you will die. You're going to, don't come to me, the Almighty God, any kind of way, or else you will die. Right? Is that the God that we really hear a whole lot about? in the New Testament church, right? Yeah, we, we start trying to quote uh, American phrases like, bring me your tired and your hungry, right? Come just as you are and just stay that way. Um, and God had said to Israel, don't come to me any kind of way. Come to me prepared. So what Aaron had to do, we'll just refer to him as Aaron, and then we'll understand that his lineage would have taken on the high priest position, right? To where one day uh, the high priest's clothes would have had bells on them, so that if he went into the high and went into uh, the holy of holies unworthy, and the bell stopped jingling, everybody would know that he died, and they'd just pull him out by a rope. Right? So this is a big deal. This is not like, oh, let me just come to church. This is if you do this wrong, you're gonna die. Okay? So Aaron what he would have to do is he would have to take off all of his nice clothes. Everything that set him apart from everybody else, he would take that off and set it to the side. He would bathe to become physically clean. There is a ritualized way of how he would have bathed, but he would bathe to become physically clean. And then he would put on linen clothes and a linen turban. right? And he would have put on just plain linen clothing. No longer the high priest worthy of looking up to, but now a person in linens, right? Which, I like linen, so that works, right? So like he would have been put into linens, and then he would have had to have sacrificed a bull for his and his family's sins. And that bull, which usually during sacrificial times, they would have sprinkled the blood around the curtain separating people from the high holy of holies. But in this situation, the blood of the bull would have been would have been sprinkled within the holy of holies to pay or to make restitution for the sins of Aaron and his family. Now he wouldn't have just walked in and looked at the holy of holies. They would have been burning incense so that there was a fog between Aaron and the Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies, this place of the Holy of Holies. Because the idea is if you were to look directly into the throne seat of God without that haze, you would 
die. Does this sound serious? This sounds serious. They didn't do this on, oh, no, they did this seriously. So he would pay for that. And then what would happen is Aaron would then take two, bull, two goats. These two goats would be treated this way. They would cast lots. They'd roll dice or however you want to picture it. Cast lots on which of these two goats would take which position. One was known as the sacrificial lamb, and the other one was known as the scapegoat. Y'all ever heard the word scapegoat? That's where this comes from. So the sacrificial lamb, what they would have done is they would have then sacrificed that lamb as they did the bull. And they would sprinkle the blood of the lamb in the Holy of Holies to pay for the penalties of all of Israel. So the sins of Israel would be made restitution for by the blood of the lamb. Right? And then what they would do is they come out to this other lamb and the, the high priest would put his hand on the head of this lamb and confess out loud the sins of Israel and onto this lamb. So this lamb would, would then have all of the guilt and all of the shame and all of the sin of all of Israel placed on this lamb, and then they would take it out in the wilderness, and it would run away, carrying the sins of Israel away from Israel. Now, the amount of symbolism in this ceremony is worthy of study. It is worth you pulling out your Bible, opening up to Leviticus, reading the passages, and then opening up your favorite commentary and saying, well, let me talk about the color of the curtain between God and his people. Let me talk about uh, what this curtain celebrate, what looked like. Let, let, let me look at what the Ark of the Covenant was and what was in it and why was that important. That's worth looking at. We do not have time. What we have time for today, what I want to do today, is I want to talk about Israel's approach to sin. I want to talk about the two goats, the two lambs. And then I want to talk about Jesus as our high priest. So that's where we're going today. That's our roadmap. I want you to look at Israel's approach to sin. I want you to look at the two lambs, the two goats. And I want you to look at Jesus as our high priest, okay? So, point number one, despair of sin. Despair over sin. And we'll look at Leviticus 23, 27 through 30. Now, on the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation. And you shall afflict yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. And you shall not do any work on that very day. For it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that very day shall be cut off from his people. And whoever does any work on that very day, that person I will destroy from among his people. So the idea is, so the, you're going to be afflicted, you're going to be fasting, you're not going to be eating, you're not going to take time to prepare food. You're not going to take time to go to work. You're not going to take time to make 
even your servants work. If someone from outside of Israel shows up to work, you're to turn them away. And if I catch you working and doing anything other than contemplating your sin, you are to be cast out from Israel. This doesn't sound like a celebration so far, does it? Because what we're doing is we are taking on the role of contemplating our own sinfulness before the Lord. That, what was this not? So this, this was not contemplating religious rhetoric before the Lord, right? This was not contemplating what my pastor doesn't like before the Lord. This was not contemplating all the laws that Christians or the Jews have told me to do before the Lord. This wasn't don't drink, don't dance, don't uh, wear pants, must wear a suit to church. This is not that. Right? What this is, is God said, do this. Don't do this. And you said, no thank you, I'll do as I please. That's what that is. What that is is not, it's not, oh, well, there was a religious ideal that I broke. This was the creator of the world, the savior of Israel, whom all of Israel had just watched open up the Red Sea, whom all of Israel had just watched the plagues, whom all of Israel had just watched the, God walk, keep them alive throughout their wanderings with manna from heaven and water from rocks, that God said, do not commit adultery. And you said, I will thank you. I'll do as I please. That's what it is. That was, I was like... My, my biggest complaint about this sermon that I'm trying to, to present to you, this, my biggest complaint for myself is that I am not the Holy Spirit. That's my complaint for myself. And this is what Rachel explained to me. She said, your problem is you're not the Holy Spirit because conviction of sin is the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts when you have gone astray, right? And us pastors, us preachers, forever, we got, Dale Moody said, yeah, before you can get them saved, you got to get them lost, right? And we, as Christians, we don't spend a lot of time actually dealing with the fact that we are sinful. Modern day Christianity belittles the idea that we are, are sinful. It robs from the idea that we are sinful. It takes away this whole concept of the full gospel. So what is the full gospel? Now, my notes have completely been left in the dirt at this point. So we'll see how this goes, right? What is the full gospel? The full gospel is the wages of sin is? But the free gift of God is? Eternal life. But it's both and, isn't it? The whole gospel is both things. The gospel being good news. The best news comes on the back end of bad news most of the time, right? Hey, Jackson's going to live. Okay. Who? Although he thought he was going to live. Oh, he fell out of a tree and he's going to live, right? There's a bad news that leads to a good news. Him living isn't a big deal until he falls out of a tree and he doesn't die, 
right? Which is very likely all of that. There is good news that comes at the back end of bad news. And this is what we're talking about. The bad news is that you have sinned against a mighty, perfect, holy God. You did. Lecrae, I, I don't know if you guys know anything about Lecrae. He, he's an old uh, Christian rapper, which I fell in love with a long time ago. He, he does this whole song where he talks about cheating on life with death. And that's what sin is. It's that God gives you life. God is, the, God, God is life. And he says, in order to have life, do this. And if you do this, you will have death. And you have chosen death over life. Right? This is what we do. And we do it frequently. And we never come to a point. Like, I don't, I, a lot of people, other than when they first get saved, when they're first baptized, when they're first coming to Christ, like, when you first came to Christ, did you feel like you could walk up to God and be like, hey, I'm here, let me in? Or did you feel like, um, I am in trouble? I have a massive problem. My dad called this problem the wouldn't if you couldn't, couldn't if you would problem that you would not do right if you could. You just won't. I know you. You won't. You won't do right if you can, and you can't do right if you want to. And we have these sins within in us, right? People today, they want half the gospel. They want the God that loves them. They don't want the sin that they committed. They want the love and compassion, not the wrath of God. Why did Jesus have to die? Save us against what? To save us against God's wrath over sin. God says, don't do this. If you do this, it leads to death. If you do it, you're going to die. That's what he told Adam and Eve. If you do this, you will surely die. To which the Satan came and said, you will not surely die. And then they did it. And what happened? God didn't kill him immediately. His love overcame. He gave opportunities to become right with God. But he said, if you choose to not make yourself right with me, then you will be away from me for eternity, where I am going to pour out my wrath for all of eternity. This is a truth. This is a truth that... Modern day Christianity doesn't want to hear. They don't want to hear the wrath of God. They want to hear the love of God. The love of God saved you, but He saved you from the wrath of God over sin because God is just. He's not just love, He is just. Which means if you do what is wrong, then there must be a balance. And that is the. That is God's wrath over sin. So many people, they say, if God is real, if God is real, then why does he allow so much evil in this world? And to my answer to that is he's allowing for time for you to get right with God, but he is not going to allow evil. He is going to deal with evil, the rapists, the murderers, and all the people in the list in Romans chapter 2. All of those people will not be in heaven. They will be under the wrath of God. But people don't want that gospel. 
They just want Jesus loves you as you are. It's fine. They want forgiveness for the sins that they feel bad about and acceptance and tolerance of sins that they are not willing to give up. That's what we're looking for from God. And this is not what Israel had. Israel had, I'm going to spend a day and think about how bad I am. I'm going to go to the corner and think about what I did. That's what I'm going to do for a whole day. Right? I'm going to think about what sin there is in my life that ought not be in my life. But modern-day Christianity and modern-day culture says, I want you to forgive me for the sin I feel bad about, and I want you to accept the sin I don't feel bad about. But who decided what sin was? The almighty creator, sustainer of this world, God. Right? He gets to decide. Why does he get to decide? Because he made the world. Old Irish preacher, don't know his name, says you might not like the way this world is run, but the problem is you don't have a world to run. God created the world. And he said, this is sin. And we said, I'd rather not. Thank you. We want a God who is responsible to me for what is considered good. Not a God who has set and written down the standard for right and wrong without asking my permission or input. We don't like that. I'm not getting a lot of amens here. It's okay. Like We don't like that. I, you, don't, you want to know how I know we don't like that? Because I talk a lot at work. At work, I talk a lot. And inevitably, there is a group of people that they play this really fun game called Stump the Chaplain. Right? And inevitably, what we get to is, this is my sin that I do that I like. And God says, I can't do that. So there must not be a God. Hold up. No, God still exists. You just don't like he told you no. That's like me walking up to my mom when I was a kid and saying, Mom, Dad told me. And my mom said, well, you better do what he told you. Right? We want a gospel that says, come just as you are. Not one that says, leave changed and conformed to the image of God. We want a God conformed to my image and answerable to me instead of a God who established what sin is and I am answerable to him. And that's the situation. That's where we are. There is a God. Culture doesn't have to answer. I mean, God doesn't have to answer to culture. God doesn't have to answer to you. God doesn't have to answer to anyone because he is God. He's the creator and sustainer of this world. And both sides of the gospel said that there is sin, and the wages of sin is death, which is what we're going to deal with. So that's why there's these two goats. That's why God gave us two goats in this thing. He said you have a problem. You have a legal problem and you have a spiritual problem. Your legal problem is you have sinned, which has made you not right with God, which means you have deserved to be separated from God forever. 
And your spiritual problem is that your sin causes guilt and shame, which you have a hard time living with. And God sent two goats to deal with that. And then later, he dealt with both of them on his own. The first goat, we, we read and we, we look and says, so we're going to look at the two goats now, okay? That's where we're going. Part two, the two lambs. We have the sacrificial lamb, which we deal with. The wages of sin is good. We're still there. Genesis 2.17 says this, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for on that day you will surely die. Leviticus 17.11, we're moving up into the law. He says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So we move to Hebrews, where in the New Testament it says it like this. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. God said, if you sin, there will be what? Death. Blood, right? And after Adam and Eve sinned, there was death because he had to clothe them and the, immediately God killed an animal, gave them clothing, and death was the result of sin. And from that day forward, someone else has been paying the sin penalty of death. In Israel, it was these goats. And the lamb symbolized the sacrifice that you are not paying, that someone had to pay. There is no forgiveness of sin apart from the blood. Just the way it is. God said, if you sin, you will surely die. Because he is love, he was not willing to make you die. So someone had to die. And sin leads to Death, and that's what this lamb does. This lamb dies so you don't have to. This lamb dies so that you can be made legally right before God. That's what that one does. The other one solves the problem of guilt and shame. So I, I'm going to read Psalms 103, 10 through 14 real quick, okay? It's not going to be quick. Because it's like four verses. So he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So the first part of the gospel is that the wages of sin is death and you deserve to die for your sins. The second part of the gospel is eternal life paid for by the blood of the Lamb. Right? That's what it is. It's you have a problem. You can't fix this problem. You cannot do good enough to outdo the bad you have done. So God sent a Lamb to die to make you legally right. And then he put all your sins on that Lamb, on a separate Lamb, and sent him off into the wilderness, carrying away your sin. So what we have at the end of this deal is you are legally right before God. 
when God looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood of the Lamb. But not only are you legally made clean before God, you are made spiritually clean. Your sin is literally carried away from you. You are sitting at the end of the ceremony actually clean. Actually sinless to where if you had the ability, like a lot of us, we are willing to accept the legal payment of God's death on the cross for our sin. Well, I know I'm going to go to heaven, but we're not willing to accept the removal of sin from us to where we walk around with shame that isn't ours to carry. It's already been carried away by the scapegoat. The scapegoat took that shame, took that guilt, and carries it off into the wilderness where somebody kills the goat so he never comes back. That's what's happened to your sin. The sin in this ceremony leaves you literally clean from sin. Okay, you're not getting it. How many of y'all have gone to the field for longer than two weeks? Ever been to the field for longer than two weeks? Gone two weeks, three weeks, four weeks without a shower? Yeah, yeah. So while you're in the field, you're counting down the days until you actually just change your pants because you can't get a shower. So you're just like, oh, I can't wait to wear pants that don't smell like five days, right? Like I need pants that don't smell like I've been dying in them for two weeks. I just can't wait. Like you're counting down the day just to change your pants. And then you get home... Your wife tells you you're not bringing that stink in my house, but you get into the house somehow, and what's the first thing you do? You take a shower. And is that not the best shower you've ever had in your entire life every single time? You walk in, say, don't look at me, don't touch me, don't smell me, I'm going to get a shower. And then you go in, you get a shower, and you walk out, and you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, this is good. This is way better. Now we can deal with food. But first we've got to be clean so that we can then deal with food, right? God does that for your soul. He takes you being dirty forever and He cleanses you of your sin so that when you walk out, you don't walk out of that shower like, hey guys, don't come near me. I smell bad. You're like, come here, give me a hug. I smell good. Come here, let me be loved. Finally, I haven't had a hug in like seven weeks. All these people hate me in the field. All they do is yell and now I smell bad. And you come home, you smell good. You don't walk around acting like you still smell bad, do you? You walk around acting like you just got out of the shower. You hug your kids. You hug everybody. You tell the dog to stay away because he smells bad. That's what you do, right? And God says, I'm going to create for you an ability to actually be clean. To be spiritually and legally washed. You have a problem. I've solved it. So in conclusion, all I want to do is I just want to read you a passage. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm not going to explain it to you. I'm just going to read it to you. And it just makes the biggest smiles. Because what it does is it takes all of that in the Old Testament that was year long, it makes it permanent for anyone who accepts Jesus. Permanent. Hebrews 10.10. 10. Here, here we go. In the praise band, y'all can come on up. 
We're not, oh, we are going to have the words, good. Praise, praise man is going to come on up, and they're going to sing as soon as I'm done reading this. I'm, I'm giving you all this so I don't feel like I need to explain it, because then I will. So I'm like just shutting off the ability right now. Just want you to hear it. And by the way, and by that, will we have been sanctified through the offering of the blood of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made his footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he added, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sins. That's worth celebrating. 